people normally think of the book of Daniel as being only a book of prophecy about the first and second comings of the Messiah and about the Antichrist and the tribulation. But the book also contains some great principles for victorious living. I recently had the opportunity to ask 16 Bible prophecy experts about what they believe to be the fundamental non-prophetic message of the book. Stay tuned for their fascinating answers. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Over the past few weeks, we have been taking a look at the book of Daniel through the eyes of 16 Bible prophecy experts whom I've had the opportunity to interview. In the process, we have considered a number of fascinating questions about the book. We started out discussing the integrity of the book, considering whether or not it is a valid book of prophecy written by Daniel, or whether it is a historical book written by some imposter long after the time of Daniel. All of our experts affirmed its validity, and they pointed to the fact that Jesus Himself quoted the book. We next considered whether or not there is a time gap in Daniel's famous prophecy of the 70 weeks of years, and again, all our experts agree there is such a gap, and that it is the current church age in which we are living. The third week, we took a look at God's statement to Daniel that many of His end-time prophecies would not be understood until the time came for them to be fulfilled. I asked our experts if they thought we are currently living in that time, and they all agreed that we are, and they provided a number of examples to prove their claim. Now, last week, I asked our experts to share with us their favorite passage in the book of Daniel and to explain why. Needless to say, we received some fascinating answers and insights. And folks, if you missed any or all of these past programs, you can find them on our website at lambline.com. Now, this week, I am going to share with you some of the answers we receive when I ask our experts to identify what they consider to be the fundamental non-prophetic message of the book. As I explained at the beginning of the program, the book of Daniel is not just a book of prophecy. It is also a book that tells a fascinating story about a young man taken into captivity to a foreign nation where everything he believed was challenged. I personally have always believed that the fundamental non-prophetic message of the book is how to live a righteous life in the midst of a pagan society. A number of the experts I interviewed came to the same conclusion. Here now are some of their responses. I believe that it is an incredible message to show us that we can live a holy life in a wicked society, and then we can be vindicated in that, and God can be glorified. Even in the name of Daniel indicates a vindication of God. Um, to me, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the original audience. Uh, it was the Jews that had gone into the Babylonian captivity. Something had happened to them that they never thought could happen, where they'd been pulled out of their land. They've been pulled 350 miles over into the east into Babylon, and so they needed encouragement regarding the fact that God is still in charge and in control. And God provides that because He gives them uh, a standard by which they're to live. 
See, the, the law of God only taught the Jews how they're to live inside the land. But now that they're outside of the land, how do they, how do they live? Well, they have role models through Daniel. They have role models through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the role models are simply this. Put God first. And he's going to take care of you during the times of the Gentiles. You know, even Daniel thrown into the lion's den was protected by God. And so it's a powerful message to them that God is still in control, even though you've been ripped out of your, your land. And so it's a tremendous testimony about God's faithfulness, how God keeps his promises. And just because you're out of your land doesn't mean God is not watching over his covenanted nation. Non-prophetic message. I would have to say two chapters. Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6. The reason why I love those two passages, of course my favorite Daniel chapter 9, but in Daniel chapter 3 it talks about these three God-fearing Jewish boys, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, or we better know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're pagan Babylonian names. You know, these guys were going up against a pagan government that was forcing them uh, to worship a 90-foot uh, pagan idol. And these guys refused to do that. They would not compromise. They would not sell out. They would stay true uh, to the one true God, the God of Israel, even giving up their own lives. They said, we're not going to bow down and worship this 90-foot pagan idol. And Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, uh, knowing that prayer was illegal at that time, yet the Bible tells us Daniel opening his windows and praying toward Jerusalem, prayed three times a day. And what I get out of Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6 is that we should never, ever compromise our values uh, to this world system today. You know, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we should never compromise our values with this world system. And those three Jewish boys did not do that, and neither did Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10. Uncompromised faith. When we look at Daniel, we find a boy. He came into Babylonian captivity as just a teenager, just a boy. And we find that he was faced with the proposal to eat of the food that had been presented as idol worshiping and idolatry to the Babylonian gods. Daniel refused to do so. And we find that by taking that stand for God, God blessed Daniel. He actually gave him, the Bible says, wisdom 10 times greater than the other so-called wise men of the Babylonian kingdom. Then if we fast forward to nearly the age of 90, we find Daniel once again was faced with a proposition to obey an order of the king that he could not pray to anyone other than the king himself. Once again, Daniel refused to do so. The king threw him into the lion's den, but God supernaturally saved him. So I think when we look at Daniel, we see a man of just great faith and loyalty and dedication to our Lord. And I think it's something that today we as Christians should take note of to live the same life as well. And I think without a doubt, we see just as the prophet Ezekiel stated, Daniel is being one of the three most righteous men to ever live. And that is because he had an uncompromising and unwavering faith when it comes to our Lord. Righteousness in the midst of paganism. That, my friends, is a message that is very relevant today as we find ourselves living in a society that is rapidly becoming more secular and pagan in nature. Several of our other experts expressed the same concept in slightly different terms. They did so by stressing Daniel's character, emphasizing his faithfulness to God. fundamental non-prophetic message of Daniel, in my mind, is seen in the character of, of Daniel. 
here's a man that was taken captive in his teen years and carried away as a slave to a foreign country. And his test, his faith was tested severely on numerous occasions. And yet through all of those occasions, God was with him. God saw him through every situation and ultimately blessed him to become a very powerful man in that foreign empire. And so uh, I think the, the non-prophetic message we see in the character of David, uh, Daniel is that he, he was a man who was committed to prayer. He was a man, as I've already mentioned, who was uh, very humble. And I could be corrected, but as far as I know, there's not one negative word anywhere in the Bible concerning the prophet Daniel. He was a man who loved God. He lived for God. He was obedient to God. And, um, and God took care of him. And I think that would be the non-prophetic message. That God has not forsaken us. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. And if we'll live for him and serve him, he'll take care of us just as he did with Daniel. Well, I think, and uh, I have to go to the first few books of that book, uh, Character. Uh, we, look at, we look at Daniel and the Hebrew boys. Uh, those were men of integrity. Uh, I love the first few chapters when you see Daniel and the Hebrew boys. You know, they come under great tests, but they, they are faithful to God. And as a result, you know, their character come through. And that character was, was already there. They wouldn't compromise with the king, even if it meant unto death. So I really love that. I mean, uh, there's been many times as I study Daniel, uh, that part of the book of Daniel strengthens my own resolve as a Christian. You know, there's times I'm challenged to make a decision. And I think about Daniel and the Hebrew boys. Well, first of all, Dave, that's a great question. And I tell you, the thing that I, that I remember about Daniel first and foremost, even before the prophecy contained in the book, and it is without a doubt my opinion, if you don't understand the book of Daniel, you're never going to understand Bible prophecy. But that said, by the way, I think it was you that taught me that. But, by, but that said, the fact is, is that the, the message that speaks to my heart, the non-prophetic message is this, faithfulness to God, living a holy life, God always honors that, always has, always will. And no matter what may happen in the world in which we live, no matter how things, how difficult things may get, we have no idea how things, how bad things may get before the, the groom comes for his bride and takes us out of here. But the fact is, it has always been in style to live a holy life, to be a person of prayer, and to trust God and walk by faith. In the book of Daniel, when you look at, at uh, not only Daniel's life, but Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, the, being cast into the fiery furnace. You look at Daniel, lion's den. But it all started with Daniel and those three Hebrew children saying, we're not going to go the way the rest of the world goes. We're going to eat vegetables. We're going to eat fruit. We're going to drink fresh water because that's what we believe will honor God. And so it's a book really about faithfulness and trust and being a, a holy man of God, and God honors that and always will. Uh, certainly, a, I think it's probably staying true to what you know is true. Um, Daniel, despite all of the peer pressure, the being out of his element, uh, certainly being free to do whatever he wants to do because you know, his life as he knows it is over. Uh, no one would care. He needs to elevate himself in the power structure of the Babylonians and later the Persians. 
he could just go with the crowd, and he doesn't. He stands alone. He stands committed to what he knows the God of Israel uh, would have him do. And, uh, you know, he, he is God's man in God's hour, and I think we need to have more people like that. Be faithful. And you can tack on, be faithful like Daniel. You know, Daniel didn't eat the special foods. Daniel stuck to the law. Whenever he was asked to to pray to foreign gods or, or to the king, he refused to do it, no matter even if it cost his life. When they threw him, say, in the uh, lion's den, he was faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three friends, they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's image. They remained faithful to God, even to death. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it took a lot to get him and his massive ego in check, but at the end, he proclaimed God, and he stayed faithful to God after God uh, punished him. Then we get anti-characters. We got Belshazzar, who wasn't faithful whatsoever, and he lost an entire empire in one night over a drunken party. So again and again, I believe Daniel is teaching us to be faithful no matter what the adversity, and we can take that as an example today. We face adversity as Christians all the time. Some countries, Christians are getting murdered. Other countries like here, we're losing our freedoms. We need to remember to stay faithful and be like Daniel. For those of you who may have tuned in during the middle of our last section of interviews, let me explain that we are interviewing a forum of 16 Bible prophecy experts about what they believe is the fundamental non-prophetic message of the book of Daniel. And the nine we have interviewed thus far have put the emphasis on how to live faithfully for Christ in the midst of a pagan society. Now, one of our respondents, Tim LaHaye, turned the emphasis around. Instead of talking about the faithfulness of Daniel, he talked instead about the book's underlying theme concerning the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. David, my, my mother was a godly woman. She was left at 28 years of age with an uh, infant child, seven weeks old. My sister was five and I was almost 10. My father at 35 died of a heart attack. And she had no one to trust but God. And she had, hadn't even finished high school. And she had to work in a factory. In fact, she started in the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, folding sheets in the laundry just to keep us alive. And uh, when she died at 81 years of age after putting herself through night school in Detroit Bible College and so on, became a child evangelism director, just was a great personal soul in her. And when she died, we knew she was going to be, because her blood got thick they, before they invented Coumadin, you know, uh, to thin out your blood. And uh, I take it every day because I inherited it from both my mother and father. And anyway, when I said, Mom, what do you want us to put on your tombstone? Just like that, she said, God is faithful. I think a widow woman with all those problems, could after all those years, say, I learned God is faithful. We ought to pay attention. <laughs> what a moving testimony. Gary Fisher spotlighted another strong theme of the book of Daniel that focused on God rather than Daniel. He talked about the way the book emphasizes the sovereignty of God. I really uh, enjoyed laboring over this question. And uh, I came to the conclusion, it, just, it suddenly dawned on me that the book of Daniel to me means that nothing takes God by surprise. Just plain and simple. We have these big, powerful guys, Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander the Great and this coming Antichrist and so forth, and God's sitting on the throne going, oh, really? 
uh, I got a king coming that's going to take the, all these people's place. And uh, God's not intimidated by any of these uh, power brokers in the world, especially today. We hear nuclear this and bomb that, and God doesn't care. The, in fact, Psalm 2 says he sits in the heavens and laughs as he considers all of that. And so nothing takes God by surprise. He is unquestionably sovereign. Uh, as is demonstrated in Daniel 2, 20 through 22. God sets up kings. He takes down kings. God's in control. One of our forum members, Damon Duck, mentioned a rather unusual non-prophetic theme of Daniel. And as he points out, it is one that is seldom ever mentioned. It is the reality of the supernatural. Well, I would suggest that the fundamental non-prophetic message of the book of Daniel is the existence of a spiritual world of good and evil beings that are uh, very involved in events here on this earth uh, concerning uh, good beings. For example, uh, Daniel revealed that uh, that uh, there are angels, uh, a council of angels called watchers or holy ones that announced that God raises up kings and kingdoms. Uh, Daniel revealed that mysterious hand that wrote on the wall the night that Babylon fell. Many, many tekel you forced and thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Uh, Daniel revealed that an angel shut up the mouths of the lions when he was thrown into the lion's den and that there are thousands and thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 angels in heaven serving God and ministering to God and before the throne of God. And he revealed that the angel Gabriel gave him the prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel. And he, uh, he revealed that uh, the archangel Michael will stand up for Israel at the end of the age. Concerning evil beings, he reveals that there is a devil. Uh, he revealed the Antichrist, that he will have satanic powers, uh, he, that he would oppose uh, Messiah the Prince, that he would oppose God's people. Uh, he also revealed a, a mysterious figure, and I think it's a demonic figure, called the Prince of Persia that, would, that hindered his prayers on one occasion. So uh, this is a teaching that I think the church has abandoned about these evil forces. And, but God gave them. It's very important, and I think the church ought to go back to that. Another of our forum members, Ed Heinsohn, responded with an answer that summed up the themes of the faithfulness and integrity of Daniel and the faithfulness and sovereignty of God. I'd like to conclude our responses with what he had to say. I think the key comes in that very first chapter in the eighth verse. He purposed in his heart. Uh, some of the newer translations put it, he determined, uh, uh, you know, which in essence he did. But I love the Hebrew original, and the King James follows that, uses the term in his heart. Uh, in the Lev in Hebrew. Uh, it's a heartfelt decision and determination. It's a reminder to us that the religion of the Old Testament is not just a religion of laws and rules and regulations and externals of ritual and sacrifice, but it's a religion of the heart. Uh, the Old Testament says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Uh, it reminds us again and again that God looks on the heart uh, of an individual. And Daniel determines in his heart that he's not going to defile himself. He's going to stand up, 
do the right thing. Uh, a good Jewish boy is going to hold to his kosher dietary restrictions, uh, and he doesn't matter what the implications of that are or what the penalty may be, uh, but he doesn't do it in a, in, a, in a wild-eyed protest. He simply asks for the creative alternative. Let me try something else, see if that works, uh, and give us an opportunity to stand by these convictions. His convictions as a young man, probably only about 15 or 16 years old, carry through his entire life. So that when he's an older man in his 80s at the end of the book, and he's lived all the way through the Babylonian captivity, he's still a man of integrity. What he was as a young man ultimately helped determine what he would be as an older man. And I think from a non-prophetic standpoint, that's the spiritual lesson that is taught in the book. I think it's also clear that the sovereignty of God is clear in the book, too. God raises up and takes down kings. Uh, God is on the throne, even when an evil Nebuchadnezzar rules uh, or an Antiochus Epiphanes is coming in the future. uh, The reminder in the book of Daniel is God is on the throne of heaven. God will overrule even human kings to accomplish his purposes. I hope the responses we have shared with you to our question about the non-prophetic message of Daniel have been a blessing to you, and I pray they have motivated you to spend some time studying the book. And now, I would like to provide you with a special unannounced blessing. While I was interviewing the 16 Bible prophecy experts, I decided to take advantage of the opportunity to ask Tim LaHaye three personal questions. I think you will be blessed by what he has to say concerning some personal aspects of his life. My first question was, How did you get interested in Bible prophecy? Actually, it happened at my father's funeral. I was three weeks away from my 10th birthday. My father was a gregarious, lovable, wonderful, personable guy. And I loved him. He loved me. I never, I I grew up never knowing what it's like not to be loved. It's a blessing from God. And suddenly he died of a heart attack, 34 years of age. And uh, at his funeral... I was devastated. I had wept so much, I didn't have any tears left because I thought my world had come to an end. But the preacher that day, I, I could see him yet, he put his hand on the casket and he said, the world has not seen the last of Frank LaHaye. The day is coming when Jesus will shout from heaven and because he, see the minister had led my parents to Christ and he said, because He invited Jesus into his heart. The day is coming when he will be resurrected and all of us will be resurrected and translated in the rapture of the church. And it was an overcast Michigan day. I grew up in Detroit. And it just seemed like the sky opened up and the sun shone through into my heart and gave me the blessed hope. And here I am, 86 years of age, and I still haven't lost that blessed hope. I anticipate the day when behind Jesus at the gate of heaven will be my dad. And I'll reestablish forever and ever a relationship with him. My second question for Tim LaHaye was, how did he get interested in writing books? Here's his response. I was driven with the idea of writing my messages because as a preacher, I found on Sunday night, back in the old days when we had Sunday night services every Sunday night, uh, we had crowds when other people didn't because I was preaching on Bible prophecy and people loved Bible prophecy. And uh, 
So I began to notice that when I printed my messages, even mimeographed them, they were, I look at them now, they were an excuse for publication. And when you gave them out, I had a bigger crowd. Well, if that what works, it works. So I would print my messages. And uh, anyway, a lady in the, in the uh, congregation was rushed into the hospital, had surgery, and she asked that I would call on her on Monday morning. And I preached that Sunday night and her family came to church and took one of those messages on the great white throne judgment in the providence of God. And they took it to her and left it off before they went home. And she gave it to the lady next to her. So on Monday morning when I buzzed into her mercy, it was a Catholic hospital. And I rush in there and, and uh, she says, Pastor, would you like to meet our latest convert? And I said, yeah, I would. And I look at the lady in the other room and in the other bed, and she says, uh, uh, she accepted Jesus last night. So we prayed with her, and I gave her a little assurance. I kind of staggered out. I think I was 36 years of age at the time. I staggered outside, and I leaned against the wall in a Catholic hospital. I'm looking up at the crucifix of Jesus and you know, all the, the memorabilia they have. And I, I uh, said, Lord, is it possible that you could use my writing I hadn't thought about being a writer never took a writing course still haven't taken one and uh, the, the long and the short is God spoke to me and I yielded my pen and that, that's 80 books passed <laughs> and God is everywhere I go and I say this to the glory of God people like like here at this conference I've had two or three of them come up and say I want to thank you for leading my wife to Christ I never knew them I thought well gee I wonder what their name is and I, I never met them. It's through the books. And I just thank God for the ministry that he's given me to, to write books. The third question I asked Tim LaHaye related to the fact that years ago when I went to Oregon to teach for a week at a Christian college, I discovered one of his first books in the college library. And to my amazement, it consisted of pages that had been run off on a mimeograph machine. So I asked him, early on, you did not have a publisher, did you? And I realized that publishing is a special art. And uh, I, I didn't have the gift to be a writer and a publisher. And so I prayed that the Lord would help me, but nobody would take my books. I was internationally unknown. And so uh, I had them mimeographed out, and my kids were all in high school. And I paid them, can you believe this, 10 cents to collate my books. And I had them all stacked up in the garage and, and shelves. And then one day our youngest son, Lee, came in and he got hot. And he wanted to open. So he opened the garage door and the breeze came in and blew those things all over everywhere. And, and my wife said to me, honey, we've got to get a publisher. <laughs> and I said, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope you will be back with us again next week when we wrap up our study of the book of Daniel by asking our forum of 16 Bible prophecy experts what they think is the fundamental prophetic message of Daniel. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The book of Daniel has more to say about the Antichrist than any other book in the Bible. It answers questions like, where will the Antichrist come from? Will he be a Jew or a Gentile? Dr. David Reagan's book, The Man of Lawlessness, The Antichrist and the Tribulation, answers these and other questions, such as, could he be a Muslim? Is he alive today? 
Will he be killed and resurrected? Where will his headquarters be located? Will he actually control the whole world? Will he be possessed by Satan? And will Christians have to face him? Dr. Reagan discusses these compelling topics and even enlists 22 Bible prophecy experts to give their unique perspectives on them. You will not want to miss this opportunity to survey the career of the Antichrist during the coming tribulation. To get your copy of The Man of Lawlessness, the Antichrist in the Tribulation, call the number you see on the screen, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name, or go to our website at landlion.com. It is available for a gift of $15 or more, plus shipping. This would make a great gift for your pastor or church library. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 